Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. So early in the week, I mentioned to all of you that I started a church in southwest Baltimore. Actually, this Friday, July 20th, will be four years since we started this church in southwest Baltimore. And four years ago, after we started the church in Southwest Baltimore, one night we were having a Bible study. We have Bible study every Wednesday night. And we went to this neighborhood on purpose. We planted and started in a, a neighborhood on purpose where we believe we want to walk with people in heart. And one night after we left Bible study, I led a Bible study, and we're at the beginning stages of starting this new church. And I'm walking out of the church building. Well, it's not really a church, but I'm walking out of the building with my family, walking down the street at night. And a guy walks while well, he's in a wheelchair, and he rides past us and one of those electric wheelchairs. And as I walked past him, I thought to myself, that man looked very familiar. I turned around and realized that the man who had driven past me in his wheelchair was my mom's ex-boyfriend, who had been her boyfriend from her, since I was nine years old till I turned 18 and left to go to college. This was significant because I went to this neighborhood to start a church where I thought people needed to be loved in hard places, where I wanted to bring the peace of God in hard places. And when I went there, I found my mom's ex-boyfriend who was there, and this man was the man who wreaked the most havoc in my life. He was physically and verbally abusive. And here he was in the exact living in the exact neighborhood that I planted and started a church. See, there's always going to be moments in your life where you think, we think that we are in control. And then we have these moments where we're like, whoa, something bigger than me is happening. I went to this neighborhood with the intention of helping other people. And in that moment, God crossed paths, allowed my path, my path to cross with someone that caused the most pain in my life. And I felt this deep challenge. Well, George, if you can love these people who are hurting, can you love this man who has also hurt you? You see, by the time I crossed paths with this man named Tony, God had changed my life. He had captured my heart. For most of my teenage years, when I was your age, I felt like God had abandoned me because if God loved me, why would hard things happen to good people? If God loved me, why would he allow things to be so out of control when I was trying to be such a good person? But at some point when I was 21 years old, it was a week like this week for you. It was a night like this night for you where God captured my heart and he changed me. Do you know why I am? I'm here with you tonight. I'm not here because I like being a good speaker. I am here because the Lord changed my life in a night like this. And when he changed my life, I said, Lord Jesus, I want you to be known by every person that I ever encounter. I'm here because maybe this is the moment. Maybe this is the night where Jesus captures your heart. I take these moments so seriously because for a number of years, for about six years, I was a high school pastor in Timonium, Maryland, which was in the suburbs of Baltimore City. And I crossed paths with so many different people from so many different walks of life. And I left that place to go start a church in the inner city of Baltimore. And my first two years of doing ministry in the inner city of Baltimore, I lost three youth. Now, when I tell people that they think I had kids die in Baltimore City, no. I had three kids who were my teenagers when I was a high school youth pastor die from the suburbs when I was serving in the city. 
One of them three summers ago from this summer, I was actually here at River Valley Ranch speaking like I'm speaking to you. And one morning at five o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call. I'm like, who's calling me five o'clock in the morning right here at RVR? And I saw who the missed call was. I knew who it was. And I thought, oh, this is just a kid, the kid I've been walking with for years who I deeply love, whose life is out of control. And maybe something he gets in a hard spot again. His mom's just calling me to just connect with him because he's in a hard spot. I call his mom back, and he had actually passed away. It was, his 20, it was his 21st birthday. So I take these moments seriously because I've walked with many youth in your places. So maybe your life is out of control, but some of us, if we're honest, we like our lives being out of control. We're sitting here, maybe we've been here all week, and we're saying to ourselves, I don't know if this is for me. I like the chaos and the unpredictability, and I'm saying this, I am here for you tonight because I've walked with many students who have been there, and I've lost three of them who've never got to taste that peace that we've been talking about all week. They were 21, 20, and 20. They have families that love them. They had everything that anybody in this world could ever say that anybody would need to be loved. But they still live life on the edge. I take these moments seriously. I won't name them. But in my mind, I'm thinking of those three students. That's why I take these moments so seriously. What I want you to hear tonight is we talked about life being out of control. The reality is sometimes we want control, and sometimes we like the chaos of life, and we love it. We feel like it's fun, and we feel like it's exciting. But I want to encourage you with this, that there are things that Jesus wants to do in our lives, is doing in our lives, that ultimately he has a good and perfect plan. If you remember, I told you that Jesus chose his 12 apostles, and how did he choose them? He did what all night? Anybody remember? He prayed all night. And you would imagine if he prayed all night, he would choose the 12 best people to possibly be his apostles. But as we learned last night, he prayed all night. He chose his 12 apostles and one would deny him and one would betray him. And when he would go to the cross, the most difficult, the most chaotic, the most out of control moment in Jesus's life, not one of those 12 apostles would be there. If you remember the scripture I read to us the very first night we were together, and I talked about Jesus saying, in this world you have trouble, in this world you have tribulation, he says to them. He says, but fear not, because I give you peace, and I've overcome the world. If you remember those verses from John chapter 16, before Jesus said that, he said to his disciples, he said to them, the moment is coming when you will scatter and I will be alone. I want you to hear this. When Peter had denied him, when, he had been, when Jesus had been betrayed, he already knew it was going to happen. They may have thought they were choosing this way to go, but Jesus already knew. Many of us are here tonight. God already knows where your heart is. Your life might seem out of control, but there is one who is above all things who's looking and saying, I know exactly where you are. You might think you're hiding from me. Maybe George Hopkins, the speaker, can't see your heart. Maybe your counselor can't see your heart. Maybe your parents don't know all these things that you're hiding in your mind and in your heart or wherever other places. But God, he sees all things. He already knows where you are. See, Jesus went to the cross and all the 12 that he chosen had fled away. But he already knew that they would. So when he gets on the cross, I want to read this to you. When Jesus is on the cross, it says this in Luke chapter 23, starting at verse 32. 
It says, two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the other criminals on his right, the others on his left. Jesus, I mean, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. I want to stop there real quick. Jesus is on the cross. People are casting lots for his clothes. They're saying, who can get his clothes? And he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. This is out of control. But what Jesus knows is in this out of control, chaotic moment, God is still in control. Because I want you to read. I'm going to read from Psalm 22 real quick, one verse. It says this. All my bones are on display. This is a prophecy about Jesus, foretelling about him. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among themselves, and they cast lots for my garments. In that very moment when everything seemed out of control, when Jesus seemed powerless, he knew that even in their choices, God's good and perfect plan was being done. So back to Luke chapter 23. It says, the people stood watching. And the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. They did that to mock him. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. This was a criminal hanging on the cross next to Christ. And he says, aren't you the Messiah? Then if you are, save yourself and save us. But the other criminal rebuked him. He said, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what we, our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then that criminal said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. I'm going to just leave one, two thoughts with you, and I'll be done tonight. There are two criminals who are both guilty being hung, crucified with Jesus Christ, hanging on the cross. One says, if you are the Messiah, then save yourself and save me. The other saying, Lord Jesus, I know that you are God. I am wrong. I am a sinner. I've done so much wrong. Can you remember me? Can you remember me so that I may be in heaven with you? I ask you this question tonight. Which response will you have? in light of, in view of Christ hanging on the cross? Will you look at the cross and say, Lord Jesus, if that is true, then you need to prove it to me in some other way, in significant way, do some circles, whatever it may be. Or will you look at Christ and say, Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner and you have died for my sin. You died unjustly. My life depends on you. You see, one response is about independence, which is we have control. To be independent means I'm self-sufficient. It's all about me having control. I can stand by myself. I can support myself. I can keep myself. I can keep myself healthy. I can keep myself strong. The other one is saying, Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing good. In view of Christ hanging on the cross, what will be your response? Will it be a response of having dependence on Christ? Or will it be a response on being independent from Christ? Will it be a response of having dependence on him? Lord Jesus, not my good, but yours. 
or be the response of being independent from him? But I want you to consider this before you answer that tonight. Three times in the verses I read to you, this question came up. If you are the Messiah, then save yourself. The criminal then says, if you are the Messiah, then save yourself and save me. Three times people said, if you are the Messiah, then prove it. But I want you to hear that Jesus, even though everything seemed out of control, he knew that the Heavenly Father's total plan was that he would bring shalom. Anybody remember? Shalom means nothing and nothing. So Jesus could save himself, but guess who would still be broken? We would. Jesus could save himself and he could save one criminal, but guess who would be broken? We would. The Heavenly Father's plan was for shalom for salvation, for wholeness, for completeness, for peace. The Heavenly Father's plan is that there will be a love that can capture and embrace every single person in this room, not just one, but one that will span and say, I will leave no one out. No matter how guilty, no matter how hurt, no matter how wounded, Christ stood on the cross so that he would not just bring a little peace, but that he would bring shalom, nothing missing and nothing broken. And that includes you being a part of receiving that peace. My daughter reminds me of this, that, Daddy, if we are brothers and sisters in Christ, then even though I'm your daughter, I'm still your sister. She tells me this many times. So even though you're younger than me, I will say this, brothers and sisters in Christ, I hope you take hope tonight that Christ stayed on that cross for us. He was then buried in a grave for us. He was then resurrected for us. He went to the lowest depths, he reached the highest breath, and he went to the highest heights so that we would all be in the fullness of shalom. Nothing what? Nothing. I'll end with this. There's a scripture in Ephesians chapter 3, and if you are familiar with the scriptures, maybe you've heard it. Paul prays, I pray that you will be able to comprehend the love of Jesus Christ. It's height, it's width, it's breath, and it's depth. Anybody show hands heard that scripture before? I used to always read that scripture as if, man, Paul is praying that I individually will understand the love of God. What Paul was really praying is he was praying that people from different backgrounds, from all different settings, people from perfect families, from broken families, people with wealth and people who are poor, he was praying that we would understand that God's love is so vast and all-consuming that it doesn't matter where you are tonight, it reaches you there. My prayer is that all of us will understand the vastness of God's love. That there is no one here who can outrun the whip of God's love. There is no one here who can do so much wrong they can go further than the depth of God's love. And that we will be people who become dependent on Christ and get a taste of shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. I'm going to pray for you, brothers and sisters in Christ, tonight. And when I finish praying, I'm going to dismiss you to go have time alone with God. You can leave. You can go outside, find your own space. If you need to talk to someone, I'll make myself available, your counselors. And when you hear the bell ring, that'll be time for us to come back together. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this moment and for this time.
I thank you for Jesus Christ and the reminder of him hanging on the cross, not, being, not doing anything to deserve to be there. And I thank you, Lord, for the moment for us to look and say how we will respond. I ask and ask that you alone will be the one to search hearts and minds tonight. I ask that you alone would search hearts and minds where we have hardened hearts, whether there's guilt, whether there's shame, whether there's pride. I ask that you would meet each of us where we are tonight and remind us of the vastness, the grandeur, the goodness, the beauty of your love. Wash away any guilt because it's not about us being independent, but it's about us depending on you. Wash away any shame, oh God. And I ask that you would bring shalom. Minds that have been depressed, that you would bring healing. Hearts that have been heavy, that you would mend them. Experiences that have been hurt, that you would expose them to your light of truth. Father, bring shalom. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.